0: Hello and welcome to another episode of the Treasure Top Podcast. I am your host, Brandon Green, financial educator of the Treasure Biblical Financial Workshop, as well as a youth and family minister of the Highland Church of Christ in Bakersfield, California. This podcast is all about having healthy conversations on the subject of money from a biblical point of you. So if you are new to this podcast, make sure to hit that like like button or subscribe to this channel on whichever social media platform you're listening or watching this from. And if you are watching this on YouTube, make sure you hit that bell icon to get notifications when a new episode is released. I am very, very excited about this episode because i get to sit down with two of my mentors who i also consider like father figures to me these men have some great insight to our important topic for today's episode so stay tuned you won't want to miss this I am here with two of the most amazing men of Kern County, uh, Brandon Evans and Miguel Salazar. Uh, guys, thank you guys so much for coming and being a part of the show. We appreciate y'all and what you do. Uh, could you guys just briefly tell us uh, who you are, uh, what you do for a living, um, and the work that you're involved in.
1: Um, as BG has mentioned, uh, my name is Miguel Salazar. Um, I'm actually from Wasco, born and raised there, and you know, I think one of the few that that still live in the place that they were born. Um, <laughs> I've currently been working uh, for the uh, Kern County Department of Human Services for over 20 years. I've never thought I'd make it that far, over 20 years, but but, but here I am and um, mostly been involved in, in uh, when you think about social uh, social workers, a lot of people think like CPS, but there's actually two parts to it. There's the CPS, uh, Child Protective Services, and there's also Employment Services. I've been working mostly with that, helping people, you know, with education, job training, work experience, uh, things in that capacity. Uh for the last about going on seven years, I've been supervising um, uh, in employment services. Um, I'm married um, to my wife, Andrea, I have uh, two sons. Um, and uh, what else? Oh, I, and, I, and I currently preach and, and do administrative work here at the Wasco Church of Christ. So that's been a blessing, um, uh, hard work, but a blessing that I've been doing kind of actively involved, you know, as a Christian since I got baptized uh, about 10 years ago. Um, I love soccer, um, but I'm getting older. So I don't know, but, but then Brandon Evans keeps inspiring me because he's into jujitsu and sorry, Brandon, I took some of your, your bio, but, (laughs) but when I see him training and doing all these things, you know, it just, you know, and, and as being a competitor, you know, it just gets like, you know, uh, you get worked up and you get pumped up. So so, anyways, I'm hoping, you know, with this whole COVID thing, once that ends, that that it could somehow uh, continue to play uh, co-ed competitively. And um, that's pretty much it.
0: Awesome, awesome. All right, Brandon.
2: All right, so Brandon Evans, I've, I'm currently for the county, I'm a program director over eligibility services which is just basically when people need help, whether it's financial, food, shelter, those things, um, it would be um, staff under my division that they would they would talk to to get those services. I've been a preacher for over 20 years as well. And um, that has afforded us tons of opportunities to serve this community of Delano um, in, in many ways, obviously spiritually number one, but we've been able to help many people in, in some really dark times. Uh, going even farther back, when I was in my late teens, early 20s, I worked to help young people at risk youth find jobs. And that's what got me um, through most of my professional career is, is doing that, helping people connect themselves with opportunities to, to better themselves. I've been married for over 20 years, got a couple of teenage kids. And like Miguel said, I am not opposed to choking you out.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, definitely uh, don't don't want to mess with you. Uh, the next guy that we're going to have on, uh, he's a, a jiu-jitsu guy himself. So I'm sure they'll be able to uh, do back and forth stories here. So uh, hashtag Cliff Sabro. So anyway, uh, <laughs> um, so let's let's get into some of these questions so uh you guys both mentioned how you guys are in heavily involved in social service industry um why did you choose the social service industry as a career brandy you sort of alluded uh to that um go ahead and sort of talk a little bit more about that why did you choose that line of work well there's
2: a couple things so first of all um I, I'm an at-risk youth myself. Uh, I, I was raised by my grandparents. My mother was incarcerated when she gave birth to me. Don't know who my dad is. Uh, raised in the wrong part of Bakersfield. Uh, and, and so obviously that plus your faith gives you a particular perspective and mindset with regards to um, how much grace you feel you've received you know, like you're just appreciative of what, what you have, you're, you you um, look to help others who might be in a similar situation, which is again, why I ended up, even when I was still really young, already helping other young people to to find employment. And then, then, you know, that sort of steers you in that direction of social services. You know, what can I do 40 hours a week where I'm helping other people that are potentially down and out to get in a better situation? So in a nutshell, that's that's how I ended
0: up there. That's awesome, and I know that's part of even the reason why you are so heavily involved with a program called Delano Dads. Yeah. Uh, can you tell the audience about that a little bit? Yeah, so Delano
2: Dads is something that I put together um, several years ago, and it's just not having a dad myself. It makes you very sensitive to the need for a father, and and. Yet there's so many well-intentioned men who just don't have the right resources. They may not have had a dad themselves, and they don't know their dads now, but they don't know really what that's about. Or they may have a bad, have had a bad role model as a father, etc. There's just all these reasons why um, well-intentioned men can use some some help. And so we we jumped in with both feet, and each year uh, run an eight-hour course where we we try to help a group of men to improve themselves and improve their ability to, to be fathers to their kids.
0: That's awesome. I mean, I I know that there's a lot, I'm I'm sure. um, I mean, there's people even in this Valley that we both know uh, who have similar backgrounds uh, and the fact that you guys were resilient and uh, God was with you all the way. Uh, to where you are standing now and you're like a father figure to many of us and we greatly appreciate that. So Miguel, I'm going to ask you the same question. Why did you choose uh, the social service industry?
1: Um, I didn't. (laughs) It's almost, (laughs) it's kind of funny, like it it found me. um, And what I mean by that was that um, that I'm a first generational, you know, um, my my parents came from Mexico, um, you know, settled in in Wasco, um, I was born, like I mentioned earlier, in Wasco. And after graduating, you know, it was just, hey, let's go to college. That was the thing to do. And, and I really didn't have an idea. I mean, I went down the line from thinking like, you know, do I want to be a doctor? Do I want to be this? Do I want to be that? Next thing you know, I'm just like, I just need to graduate. <laughs> so after finally graduating, um, I was working extra help. And I had taken this exam and, and the next thing I know, I, I get a phone call and, and says, hey, do you want to interview? I end up interviewing <clears throat> for, for an employment counselor uh, in social services. And, and as soon as they offered me the job, I said yes. So, so that's how that happened. Now, once I got uh, settled in and started just to see what this, this uh, program was about and how it was helping people and so forth, I know it was, it was a good fit because um, I've always had this thing about helping others, um, being compassionate, and, and just trying to serve. So so the more I got um, interested in my job, it started to grow uh, with me, and it's one of the things that I, I enjoy doing, especially, um, I would say, during my, I think, eighth year uh, for the county, we started developing these workshops in-house um, where we where we train people by facilitating you know about uh, job readiness uh, interviewing building resumes and that really got me even more interested in my job especially when we would help people get that job and how it would change you know their lives and how grateful they were Um, after that uh, you know i was sold uh, on on continuing my career in social services for employment services i should say
0: that's awesome um I mean, the fact that, you know, you you were just honest, like I didn't even I wasn't trying to go (laughs) for this. This wasn't my passion or dream at the time. But the fact that because you saw the vision and you saw how this could truly help people, you were passionate about that. you know. And that's sort of the same reason why I decided to get into the financial industry. It wasn't so much that I was some financial guru or I had all these things figured out. It was the fact that when I saw people and I could help them develop a financial plan for the betterment of their lives and their families, That's when I'm like, aha, you know, and I saw a connection to how I do that as a preacher. I mean, all three of us, I mean, we had that experience. We see how the gospel can really change lives. And I really think that when we help people with their physical needs, people are willing to then uh, hear about their spiritual needs. We have a window that maybe we wouldn't have had if we weren't in the industries that we were in. So I think that's that's awesome. That's great. So. Um, Still talking about just the social service industry itself. uh, What are some of the usual needs that people are seeking in social services? Because I'm sure that people are listening to this and they probably have preconceived ideas, you know, based on the media, um, you know, um, the movies and such, they have this typical viewpoint of what a person who's needy looks like. But you guys are, you know, interacting with these kind of people day in and day out. So what are some of the usual needs of people seeking social services? I'll start with you, Miguel, this time.
1: Yeah, you know, some of the things that, that we mentioned, you know, um, n- normally though, yeah, when, let, let me just start over. Um, most of the time when somebody just goes in there, yeah, they're, they're applying for, for cash aid, food stamps, which is now called CalFresh and, and, and Medi-Cal. Uh, once they're in that, that the using those services, especially with, uh, they qualify for cash aid. Um, some of them then qualify for um, employment services uh, with a CalWorks program. That's where you see the extension of a program where we help them out with anywhere from counseling, work experience, job training, going back to school, uh, finding work. So so those are some of just the things that that are available there. Um, There's even uh, DV services. Um, So there's an array of of, of services that's available to help. The the goal is to help them become self-sufficient. So normally when when someone goes there those, those are some of the things that uh, they're looking for.
0: All right. Uh Brandy, you want to add anything to that? Yeah, sure. So and when Miguel mentions
2: DV services, he's talking about domestic violence services. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: One of the things that's interesting about us government
2: folk is we tend to use <laughs> initials for everything and mm-hmm. uh, and so for anybody who's watching this later on, you know, because because a lot of people come to us when they're in a really bad spot. Mhm a lot of us come, and so that they may um, have have just had a very violent situation, and you're a young lady, and you got four kids, and, and you just got kicked out, and, and, you know, your your boyfriend or maybe your husband just got locked up because of what he may have done to you, and so, so that puts you in a situation where you're looking, you know, how am I going to feed my family, and where are we going to live and stay, and, and so, yeah, we provide all those services. But just, just to add to what Miguel said, one of the things that we do when we do our job well is we provide guidance, we provide encouragement, direction, um, uh, feedback. There's a lot of people who have made some really bad choices and without some some help with decision-making and, and being forced to look themselves in the mirror a little bit, they're just going to continue to make many more of those same choices. And so, so that is something that people don't tend to think about. I'll give you one other perspective. When, when Miguel and I both got into this, this business, the clients were, they were older. They were late thirties, forties, as Miguel would, would attest to um, as well. They're now, their babies, early twenties, you know, the, like the average age is probably 23, 24. And, and there's just so little life understanding and, and all of that. And so the, the ancillary services, okay, yeah, we're going to give you money to, for rent, we're going to give you money for food. We're going to pay for your health insurance, all that, you know, yada, yada, but but I think the social, the true social service component is that help in these other areas that sadly are not being found in the home. and uh, And so that's what I would add.
0: Wow, so you guys, I mean, I think you would agree with this that your job, uh, your industry is there to really help the overall, of the person it's not just simply just getting them the job but you're a counselor you know you guys are there to help them through some very like you said very difficult moments in their lives um and there's so many of you um you know just different departments and different areas that people can uh seek that kind of help so uh so I, I again i think you guys would agree that your, your, your social service industry is designed to help people uh, get to the point where they're self-sustaining. Am I correct in saying that? Yes. Right. So so one thing that, and I hope this question doesn't get you guys in trouble with maybe your industry, but you know, what are some areas though, since you guys have been in this uh, job or in this game for a while Uh, What are some areas uh, of improvement that you guys wish could be implemented uh, in your field um, or in the social service overall? Do you guys see like areas where you're just like, man, you know, if I could, you know, uh, if I were in charge of this, or if I could pull these strings, you know, I would make this happen. Are are there some things that you guys wish were different?
2: Yeah, so I'll jump in on that one first. Um, and, And you're right. Uh, when you work in this field, some of the answer to that question may be a little bit of a uh, minefield, um, you know, for of lots of traps. But but the fact of the matter is this. You have the eligibility side where you get linked up with these kind of supportive services like money and, and help with your bills and things like that. But then there's the welfare work side that is supposed to come in tandem okay so so in in a structure it looks like this okay so you're in crisis we're going to we're going to provide you some stabilizing assistance so that you're no longer in crisis but then we're going to marry that with these other services job search training um, just training period education uh, all these things to help get you out of that so you can be using your word self-sustaining or we might say you know, self-reliant or whatever. But in California, from the state down, we've whittled away and whittled away at the work part of welfare to work. Mm-hmm. And, and the dangerous part of that is you, you basically take the welfare service industry back to a place that it was in the 70s where it was sort of just like you get on and as long as you have kids, you just stay on. Mm -hmm. And as a Christian, that's not helpful to anybody. Mm -hmm. As, as Christians, we are not called to Christ to continue to be served. We are called to Christ to be like him and be of service. Mm -hmm. And in the same way, helping people who have needed government assistance To get off of the assistance and put themselves in a position where they can then turn around and help others, that's the ideal. But if there isn't structure around the program, it it actually works against human nature to do that. Mm -hmm. If it it becomes rather easy to get a monthly check and food and all these other things, uh, supplemental uh, electricity bills and et cetera, all these services, It may make it actually easier just to sit back and stay on the system as opposed to getting yourself off the system and able to help others as opposed to just you being helped by the government.
0: Yeah, I mean, what what you mentioned, I mean, that's I think that's exactly when we start talking about. Uh, more of the church and its responsibility when it comes to benevolence which maybe somebody's listening to this and thinking that's such a fancy word I don't know what that means but when we talk about that I think that's one of the struggles that we sort of want to backpack a little bit on you know do we continue to help people even when they're abusing the system right Um, so we'll, we'll get to that in just a moment but Miguel do you have anything to add to what Brandon said
1: Yeah, I'd just like to add, you know, that, you know, Brandon's right. Um, So, for example, um, uh, before this whole COVID thing, I used to go to, um, to collaborative meetings, you know, so just picture myself representing, you know, the department. And then you meet with other people who offer all these other types of services. It's amazing. In the last 20 years, I would go to a collaborative meeting and you might find like maybe about 10 people, 12 now, sometimes you find a room full of 20 30 people of with all of array of services so so we're really fortunate in this country that we're offering so many things but at the same time that we're offering so many things you know what is the ad, adverse effect of that and and one of the things that's happening you know um, we're taking some of the accountability away you know from mm. um, basically from the one who is seeking services uh, how much they want um, how much are we helping them? or are we enabling them to some extent? And you know, sometimes that's the adverse effect uh, with having so much provided because pretty much anything that you could think of um, when it comes to the program, there, there's some type of help available for that person. And, and we know that to be true because we, uh, there's been a lot of success stories within the program. Some might say, well, this program never helped me or anything, but, but we could counter that with the many examples of those people who graduated from college, who graduated from training, who found a job and, and all of a sudden, you know, uh, you know, close their cash aid and they're self-sufficient people that, that we run into, you know, I could be shopping at Costco and then it's like, Hey, you know, Mr. Salazar, do you remember me? And, hmm. and, you know, I really appreciate what you did. You know, now I got this, some have opened their own business, you know, so, so the program already provides a lot of things for them. Um, the, the, the only thing is, you know, how much accountability is there when it, when it comes to, um their participation in that program. So, so hopefully we're able to balance those things to best serve the, the, the clients that we help out, but there's plenty of help available. Um, it's just up to the individual, I would say to take advantage of that.
0: No, I love that. Um, and I, I love that you mentioned, you know, you get to have the privilege to run into people that you've helped in the past who were successful. Um, and, you know, just that feeling of, you know, Hey, they remember, Um, you know, the help that you gave. But I think that goes to show to people who are super critical of the system, Um, you know, for every bad uh, egg out there who abuses it, there's a lot of people who are using it for the right reason and they are successful um, when they follow the program, the way the program was designed to be followed. So I appreciate uh, you guys uh, saying that. So here's, here's a, this is really more of a side question, Um, Not really uh, in our topic necessarily, but it's just a a bonus curiosity question I I just want, since I'm sure a lot of people who are listening to this are probably uh, believers in Jesus, um, God-fearing people. um, My question is to you guys is, should Christians feel shame for seeking help from social services? Whichever but, one of you
2: I, I, want to jump Okay, yeah. So, okay, excellent. Uh, great question. And and first of all, let me say that people who are overly critical of the system need to understand the origins of the system. Mm. And and so I'm going to say, let me speak to that super fast and then I'll jump yeah, to ahead. the question. So almost every municipality, every city, um, county is going to have some sort of street service, like where they sweep the streets you know like the big mm-hmm. machines tank looking things that go around and clean the streets why do they have that they have that because people stop picking up after themselves mm. and so when trash is left on the ground and nobody picks it up then the the, the government gets involved in trash collection because you're not picking it up for yourself mm. well in the same way when people are in a bad way and and the church in particular or their neighbors or whatever, aren't as um, helpful as potentially they could be, there becomes a gap and people vote for elected officials who say we're going to help fix that gap by providing government services. Mm -hmm. So you really don't have one without the other. In in a simple way, you don't have one without the other. So there's a need. And when, when individual people aren't filling that need, Government often steps in to fill that need, so there's mm-hmm. there's that. Which then, yeah, to your question, uh, should a Christian feel? Uh, I forget what words you use, but embarrassed or ashamed? Shame, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I'm going to answer it the best way I know how. the The simple answer is no, they shouldn't. However, Christians should be able to go to other Christians first mm. before they go to government.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: it's actually a better way to get help because when you get nameless money from the government, nameless services from the government, as using the word Miguel brought up earlier, there's a very little accountability. Hmm. It's much easier for me to owe money to somebody I don't know than it is to owe money to somebody I do know. The, the amount of accountability is tenfold when you actually know the human who you owe money to. Hmm. Well, it's even worse when it's the government because you don't even feel like you owe it back.
0: Mm.
2: It's almost, that's why we're actually call them entitlements and people feel entitled to them. So it's better to go to a family member, the church first. And then, but if that's not possible, it's not available, then, then, you know, government has all sorts of services. And what we're talking about is one of them, but you should not stay on it any longer than you absolutely have to. hmm Um, none of us are better off when we're put in a situation where we're so comfortable that it makes us lazy. And by lazy, I mean, not doing all that I can for myself first. Mm -hmm. And so before I ever dip into the pocket of someone else and someone may say, well, when I get on government services, I'm not dipping into anybody's pocket. Yes, you are. You're dipping into the pocket of every taxpayer who paid taxes into the system from what you're drawing so should you be ashamed to get the services no they're that's what they're there for should you be uh uncomfortable about staying on them for a second longer than you absolutely need to yes yes because again god called us both in the old testament and the new testament as his children to be the ones who serve not the ones who are served Hmm. to be the ones you know you god calls us out of a bad situation into his grace so that we can be lifted up in him and then help others. But I can't do that if I'm too comfortable allowing myself to continue to be helped when I can otherwise get out of it. So that's.
0: Well, that's good. That's good. Miguel.
1: Yeah, no, no. um, I would just add, yeah, that, that, you know, circumstances could happen to anyone, you know, for example, uh, a loss of a job that just, put, you know, as maybe you're the sole income earner, right? And and all of a sudden you, lo- you lose your job, right? And you're displaced or or maybe there's a death in the family. You know, we had people uh, looking for help when we're seeing these services who their husband just passed away, for example, you know, or, or for example, divorce, you know, which unfortunately is, is too common nowadays that breaks up the family. And yeah and just causes so many issues, you know, that, that become overwhelming for, for, for anyone uh, depending on their support system, right? So, so no, um, I agree with Brandon, you know, they, they shouldn't be, but, you know, um, going back to some of the things Brandon said, um, I would say it, it should be the, the last resort, you know, meaning, you know, what have you explored you know, in, your, in, your, you know, in your support system? You know, who could help you out with the situation you're going through? Uh, before you eventually, you know, seek out um, these services, and once you do, you know, you should have a plan. You know, especially if you're part of the church, you know, um, and hopefully you're seeking guidance, you know, from from the church and those uh, who are able to give you that that uh, advice. That you should have a plan so you're not uh, receiving these services in the long run. Or mm-hmm. once again. Um, Uh, you might get a little bit too comfortable that you're continuing to receive these services and you end up staying much longer than you thought. So um, that's something that that we got to think about.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, And I agree with you guys. And I'm I'm glad that you guys brought that up. Um, This is why, um, you know, I'm speaking as one who have, uh, I've been in the system uh, since I've been here in California, I've had uh, times where I needed it. Uh, But as soon as we didn't need it anymore, you know, we weren't trying to reach for it and keep grabbing it. Um, But we've been uh, we've had to back and forth be in the system because of um, our uh, my employment situation. Uh, You know, I'm sure for both of you know that I've uh, been let go of congregations at least twice. Uh, and, you know, uh, it was, it was a very scary time. Didn't know what I was going to do for work. Didn't know where we were going to go, uh, and, and not from a lack of trying, uh, and we had to, you know, get that kind of help. Um, and we were thankful that that kind of help was there. Um, and then when COVID hit, we still, uh, there were moments where we needed that kind of help. So I, I'm sure, especially now, I think most of us have experienced. Uh, social services. I mean, I think our entire nation pretty much has experienced social service now. Um, but but yeah, we shouldn't want to stay on it. We should always be striving. And that's really why um, I got into the financial service industry, especially from the standpoint of helping people developing uh, their um, financial portfolio, their budget. Um, because I really think if we plan for moments like this, You know, um, your job is not as secure as you would like to think. And people just don't understand that, Um, you know, so saving that emergency fund for, you know, however many months you think it will take you to get another job is important. Um, Of course, you know, uh, our our entire as Christians, it's it money is not everything and we shouldn't always. Uh, Be so concerned. I mean, God does provide, and we really do need to trust in that. But I think that God also understands the idea of planning. Um, He gave us a brain to do that. So when we we uh, there there are there are moments in our lives where we have to do that. And I think when we do plan for those times that may occur, then we may not have to result to social services right away or even family members right away. Um, We can take care of that. But again, if for some reason we do, we should be able to go to the church first. Um, and sometimes it's unfortunate that, um, you know, that kind of help may not be available um, to the brotherhood. And um, that's something, again, that we want to sort of talk about. So let's get into this idea of benevolence, then, since we're already in the topic. Um, so What exactly? I mean, again, we've been using this fancy term benevolence, a term that most people outside of the church uh, don't usually use. You know, so what exactly is benevolence and why is this the term? uh, Maybe you know this, maybe you don't. Why is this the term that the church decides to use? I'll start with you, Brandon.
2: (laughs) Well, it's interesting because... I don't know why, but I know what. <laughs> um, you know, so I mean, the the term is just like you said. It's it's a often only used in a church context, um, currently uh, word just to describe doing good things for other people. You know, doing helpful things, kind things for other people. That often looks like things like food, shelter. Um, you know, whatever, you know, taking soup to somebody who's sick, uh, providing a warm blanket for somebody who's cold, you know, and, and things along that line. And and as we marry these two things, I want us to be mindful that to some degree, the church is getting and has gotten over the past 40, 40 years pushed out of the financial part of that because yeah. government is fully engaged in that. Yeah. And 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 that is why like in Delano, you know, we've we've done a job search workshop before, you know, because when you think of what is the kind thing to do for your community, it's not always give them food. And let me give you a quick example. Right now in Delano, I don't know about Bakers and I don't know about Wasco, but in Delano, all of the schools are providing food in large amounts to everybody. Basically, everybody who's got a kid in school has access to lots and lots of food. So kids aren't going to school but they're getting you know the school lunch times 10.
1: <laughs> and
2: and so so is there really a need for food in the community given by the church when you you can go to the school where your kids go to school and and get that? Maybe there is, maybe there's not.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: But but there's always a need to help people to put themselves in a better position to be successful. So you talked about your financial services. I'll give just one quick job search tip that I think is important to this conversation. And, and it's, it's basically this, some, everybody can do this. You can do this in 10 minutes. You sit down and you, you, make a, uh, you draw a big circle and a little circle in the middle and the little circle is you. And then the bigger circle, would you put as many names of people you know that are full-time employed? Mm -hmm. So you have you in the middle and around you is a bigger circle with all the names of the people you know that are (laughs) full-time employed. And then you add a couple asterisks, stars, check marks, whatever you need based on two more categories. Could I work where that person works? I may not do the same job, but could I work where they work? That's one. Mm -hmm. And then the last layer is, do they respect me? Mm. Not do they like me, not do they if they think I'm funny, but do they respect me? Mm. Because every person in that bigger circle that's full time employed, if you can work there and they respect you, those are the people you need to be talking to about your next job opportunity. Mm. And I say that because even when you are employed, you should be building that. Mm. The number of people that you know that are full time employed that respect you that that know you and you know them and you know a little bit about what they're doing, that network should be growing and growing every day. And when you end up in a bad situation, you have a starting point that's already populated with opportunities that you haven't pursued, but they're there. And, And so I say that because to me, it's kind. To me, it's helpful to help people to help themselves in those ways Whereas 50 years ago or hundred years ago, that may not have been the cheap way you helped. The chief way you helped is, well, I've got food. You don't have food. Here you go. <laughs> because, because there is, as Miguel talks about with his community groups, there's tons of places for you to get food. There's mm-hmm. tons of places for you to get all sorts of services like that. But there's not a lot of access to the kind of information that puts you in the driver's seat for mm. helping yourself get out of a bad situation so, long answer but that's
0: not no that, that's that's awesome and i i i especially like what you said well i liked what, all of what you said but um at the beginning you gave the simple definition of benevolence kindness kindness towards other people it's not a i'm gonna do this to put something over your head To where you're going to feel guilty, you know, and feel obligated to pay me back. That's not what this is. This is true kindness. Uh, I mean, basically, this is a gift that I'm giving you to better yourself like Jesus gave to us to better our spiritual self, you know. Um, So I I like the definition that uh, that you gave. Uh, miguel I, I, well let me just cool,
2: jump ahead, in, let, me, let me just jump in super fast when you when you you know you think of peter when he finds the the lame man at the gate beautiful silver and gold have i none but what i have i give to you stand and walk see he didn't give him something like a sandwich he gave him the ability to go make his own sandwich
0: mm-hmm.
2: and and that's huge that's huge and, and i think that's common I
0: think that's helpful. So, okay. I'm <laughs> Miguel, you got anything to add to that? Yeah.
1: Um, yeah. You know, when, when you had asked Brandon, myself, you know, to talk about this, this topic, you know, I was just looking around trying to just get a little bit more informed, you know? And one of the things I ran across was, you know, like, uh, I was watching this church of Christ um, study and it it said that the churches of Christ refer to three pillars, you know, evangelism, edification, and benevolence, you know, evangelism, you know, with preaching, you know, the gospel edification with, with building and sustaining the church and benevolence, you know, about what Brandon just, you know, talked about and you described, you know, as kindness, but, but it should be uh, an attribute that all Christians, you know, should have and, 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 and are given as an order for, for us to demonstrate as Christians. For example, in Matthew chapter 5, verses 13 through 16, talks about what, you know, us being the salt of this earth, right? The, You know, um, it says the salt of this earth, the, the light of this world, you know. So it, it needs to be something that that we strive for and, and the attitude behind it. You know, there's scripture, you know, in 2nd I'm looking at my notes, Second Corinthians chapter 8, and in Second Corinthians chapter 9, you know, the, the examples that we see in there. And let, and let me just read some of that, that scripture because I, I think it gives some really good, um, uh, an explanation or description, you know, of the, the mentality and the attitude that, that we should have, you know? So for example, um, let me just read verses one, one through uh, five. It's we want you to know brothers about the grace of God that has been given among the churches of Macedonian. For in severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflown in a wealth of generosity on their part. For they gave according to their means, as I could testify, and beyond their means of their own accord, begging us earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints. And this was not as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord and then by the will of God to us. And then obviously we go to chapter 9, you know, verse 6, you know, and, you know, here's more of that attitude, the point is this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows bount- bountifully will also reap bountifully, each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, but here's the thing, here's a part, for God loves a cheerful giver, you know, so there's so there's all these descriptions, right, First John chapter 3, you know, talks about, you know, God does not love, uh, abide in us in His love if, if we're just not you know showing love for others, right? And I have an Acts chapter twenty, verse I think thirty-five, where um, Apostle Paul just saying, "Look at the things I'm doing, so I could show you, right? You know the type of attitude we should do in helping those that are weak, those that are in need, right? And and he ends up by using Jesus, you know, as more blessed to give than to receive, right? So. So I would just add that there has to be like this, this, this mentality, this attitude, you know, not, not just going to um, Bible study on Wednesday and Sunday and not doing anything. But when there's an opportunity, you know, the attitude behind it and all these, all these things that are available, you know, that, that we could help out. And and are we taking advantage of those opportunities that are in front of us when it comes to uh, showing benevolence to the brethren? and to those around us even our neighbor
0: no amen amen um you know it was interesting and I, I, I correct me if i'm wrong but in in that in the passage that you read earlier um he said that there were people who were even extremely impoverished that still yeah. helped like yeah, yeah. you know so this isn't just um you know People who are, you know, rich or wealthy who are trying to help those in need. I mean, needy people helping needy people, you know, so they saw their responsibility beyond even their financial means uh, to help whoever they could with whatever they had, Um, you know, and, and I and I stress. Um, when I when I do uh, these workshops and and even some of my own clients who are God fearing people, I, I stress to them like I, I want you to be able to help others, um, but at the same time you also need to know how to manage your money so you Amen. can help other people. So if your mindset is on God and helping the kingdom, then that's where you're going to place your money first. And I think that's one of the things that we fail to think about. I mean, these people placed their finances to God first. And I think like the book of Acts talks about the fact that they didn't see anything that they had their own. They saw everything belonging to God anyway, so it was very simple for them to say, you know what, even if I uh, only have two uh, pennies to my name, I'm going to give one penny to my neighbor, you know, so that was their attitude that's what they were all about so yeah kindness. Um, and everybody just, um, you know, helping each other. And when that happens, there was not a needy person among those group of people, which was awesome, which uh, unfortunately, we don't see that often. So I know we're limited on time. I got a few more questions I want to ask here. So I want to, okay, so how, um, I think you guys already alluded to this um, several times in your discussion about uh, your connection with uh, your, um, your, uh, so, uh, the industry that you're in and the work that you do, uh, in the kingdom, but how, uh, is there any more that you can say to how, uh, working for social services has helped you, um, with how you view, how you do kingdom work in ministry?
1: Um, I'll just answer quickly. Um, yeah, what, what's helped me tremendously, like, uh, just working, um, where I'm at right now is that it just helped me become very resourceful. Um, it just like all these resources just kind of fall in your lap because of uh, where Brandon and I work. You know, we get emails constantly. We're uh, we're in collaborative meetings or some type of meetings, right? And and all this information is being funneled back and forth. So so you develop this this huge network, right? So if you know, like for example, you talked about you know you know what you're striving to do, you know. Um, educating people right you know that there's there's someone providing that service and even right now right we're, we're finding out another resource which is bg right you know about how he could help those that that might be in need with that type of education but but the bottom line is that, that that's helped me tremendously is just becoming so much so resourceful you know you need food okay got this resource you need counseling i got this resource you need this got this resource you need child care got this resource so so that becomes very very helpful because most of the time, those are the basic needs that someone um, is needing, and and we, we have some idea where to start at and then build so we could eventually help someone um, outside of the church, you know, so it's not only within the church, but outside, connecting them to these resources.
0: No, that's awesome. I mean, um, and, and, and that's really important to think about, too. Like, you don't have to be the jack of all trades. Like, you can pass people on to other like-minded individuals or people that you know that can help them in that area that maybe you're not as familiar with you know just uh, I think that's why we're we're a team you know we're a family we're a team we're supposed to be working together even though we may not be of the same congregation we're still part of the same big team that's across the whole entire world so we should be you know using one another in in that regard I love that Brandon
2: well, I was just gonna piggyback off of that. Uh, you know, Jovan Paez and I have teamed up multiple times uh, to people stumble upon him in, in great need and then he hits me up and I can get them connected. Um, and we've even been able to do that with people and jobs, helping people find jobs because of our connection. So yeah, I, Th- that becomes the thing, is you, is you you learn so much about where the help is, both within the church and without, and, and you utilize that for those that God puts in your way, in your path to, to provide service to.
0: That's awesome. I mean, I, I wish there was, <laughs> and maybe this may be another video or another uh, podcast for another time, but maybe just... Uh, you know, doing some type of training to, like, teach other Christians what kind of resources are available, what's out there, you know, because I think a lot of, I think, um, and maybe I've experienced this a lot, especially with the congregation I was with before, it seemed like because I wasn't as familiar with the area, and I think a lot of the members weren't familiar with the services that were available, it's like when somebody asked us for something, like, we didn't know where to turn them, you know? Like, and then we would say like, well, you may have to go to the church down the street. Maybe they got something, you know, and I felt, and I felt like, I felt shame. Like I, I felt like, man, like I should know, you know, at least the basics of what's going on in my community, you know? So,
2: well, yeah. And let me just chime in on that. The other thing is when you work in an industry like Miguel and I do, you also have the information necessary to figure out who really is in need and who's just gaming the system. Mm-hmm. because because both Miguel and I in a matter of four or five questions can figure out whether or not somebody qualifies for government assistance et etc cetera, etc cetera. and so when somebody comes by and says oh well, I've tried to this and I've tried to that and that's not available to me <laughs> it's like we can already know already know what would be available to you if if that were the case, and you know, and all these things, and 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 I've actually been able to help some people from that way because you stay on that truth, which is no, I know you're not being quite honest with me. Now let's get into some honesty, mm. and 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 it gives them some true food for thought. Not that you're against them, not that you're um, unwilling to help, but sometimes again, you're not helping people when you're enabling them to continue to live a lie where they're going around, trying to manipulate other people. Mm -hmm. And that's the only skill they're developing. They're not developing the skill of sales or Mm -hmm. becoming industrious. They're just developing the ability to make people feel sorry for them and give them things when they really could use all of those same skills to to make an income for themselves.
0: No, amen, I mean, I, I agree with that wholeheartedly, which sort of aligns with the next question. Um, at what point um, do we stop being benevolent towards people? Um, I think that we, I think we would agree that we should never stop being benevolent. But like you said, like you alluded to, um, there are panhandlers out there. You know, there are people that abuse systems that are designed to help, you know? Um, But you know, the, I guess the conflict that I have, um, and I guess maybe I'll, I'll sort of answer the the question, at least from my standpoint, the conflict that I have is that I don't want to be abused by people. Um, but yet then, but then I look at my Lord and savior and I know that he was abused by the world, you know? So like, can I still, you know, be the person I'm supposed to be, even though sometimes I may get abused. Does that mean that I, you know, as I've witnessed some Christians, when they get abused just one time by one person, they stop everything. Like they're not going to be benevolent to nobody. They don't don't, want to open up to anyone because of one person's actions. And I don't think that's right either. So, So what would you say to that question? At what point do you stop?
1: Yeah, I think, um, you know, I was thinking about that and, um, you know, at what point, you know, I, you know, I was thinking about First Timothy chapter 5, you know, where it talks about, you know, orphans and, and widows and specifically with the widows, you know, how do you help a widow out, right? and it, and it just outlines these, these steps, you know, basic how, how to come back, I mean, how to just go through this whole process to determine, you know, um, who qualifies and who doesn't qualify, this help. And in the same way, you know, using some of that same logic, you know, you just have to determine, you know, um, uh, is it someone who is really a worthy recipient, you know, of, of the resources that Trey that will give? Because if you give to one person um, that w- wasn't in need, then you might not have uh, enough resources to give to someone who, who was in need. So it, it becomes this balancing act, I believe, uh, when it when it comes to you know who is deserving and who isn't, you should always have the best intentions. But but as Brandon had mentioned, you know, sometimes when you're when you're helping someone out and you're just having a a, a natural conversation, things reveal themselves, mm-hmm. and they weed themselves out. Unfortunately, so for example, they come to you, they're asking for help, and then you start talking to them because not only do you want to provide a service, you wanna you wanna help them solve that situation. And then you come to find out that th- sometimes they'll go like, ah, never mind. You don't really want to help me or whatever. So, so sometimes just being helpful, but asking these questions and so forth, they start to uh, weed themselves out. Mm-hmm. But the ones who do need the, the help, they're going to be there. They're going to end up taking these steps, or or, or they're going to just do whatever is required for them to get that help. But but you still want to you know use good judgment um, when 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 you're trying to provide those services because sometimes you do have to say no. Sometimes you have to do show the, this, uh, this tough love at that moment, you know, that, that um, no matter how much I help you, it's not going to, you're going to still continue in the same path. So sometimes you got to just be careful that you're not enabling someone.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean that, that, what you said, Miguel is it, so true. I mean, when, if we really care more about a person than just giving them a dollar for them to just get by for a moment, basically putting a bandaid on the situation. When we really care about people, then we're going to ask those right questions. And then, yes, yeah, sometimes people will weed themselves out because they'll just be annoyed by the questions. But when you really care about someone, I mean, you don't want to just put a bandaid on the situation, you want them to be successful overall. Um, so, um, and I don't think we're in the bandaid industry as Christians. We're not, uh, we're about fixing the whole of man, helping the whole of man, uh, through the gospel of Jesus. So I, I really appreciate, uh, what you said there, Brandy, you got anything else to add to that? Uh,
2: just, just, it is a person by person answer. Mm -hmm. Um, a, a drug addict may need your help longer than than someone else Mm -hmm. uh somebody who's physically handicapped may need your help longer so so i don't know that i have a one sentence Mm -hmm. answer for that um love love and the right intentions should drive how long you think you should be helping them
0: right i think as christians we shouldn't refuse help we should figure out how to help if that makes sense, you know, so, so yeah, I, I love that. And then last question, and, and this is probably more of a, a doctrinal question from the standpoint of, uh, you know, who are we benevolent to, um, you know, there's, there's a lot of debate in the church, and it's been going on mm. for, for years over, you know, who do we help with the money that's collected on the first day of the week, right? So some Christians say, well, it says we are only supposed to help the church and no and nobody else. Matter of fact, you it's up to the individual outside of the church to then help somebody who's outside of the church, you know? And then you have people um, who, um, you know, uh, we help people, and it's not about um, – it's not about trying to, we, we help regardless if we mention Jesus or not. Um, You know, I I know of uh, congregations that have all of these great activities and programs for people when it comes to helping them, but it doesn't seem like it connects anywhere to introducing them to Jesus, you know? So I'm not saying that the, 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 only motivation is, well, I just want to cram the Bible down their throat. That's the only reason I'm helping you. Um, however, I think that there is a truth to the fact that, I mean, our our number one goal is to save souls, right? So um, so what would you have to say to that, that discussion of, you know, who uh, specifically is the church able to help using the money that we collect every week?
2: Okay, so I'll give um... – Fastest answer I can. Uh, Miguel made reference to 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians is an easy indication, along with Acts 2, that the funds of the church should be used for other Christians in need. Um, The book of James gives you indication that um, at least individuals should be willing to help other individuals that they find in need. To me, those are non-debatable. The the only more gray area of which I side in a in a more liberal way is is can you use money from the church treasury to help those that are not members of the church? And um, I just can't find any reason why not to. <laughs> if, if you if you have it to give, and I'll you know cite the proverb on that there but if you have it to give um give it and and it's just it's just an extension of the body individually is the body collectively Mm -hmm. and and so so our congregation we we give when a need is brought to us and we we think that we're helping and not enabling
0: no i i I agree completely I, i think that's the that's the dilemma right we it there's not a passage that directly says um, you better gives, uh, give to, you know, a, a non-Christian solely from the collection plate. However, we don't have a passage that says you, you can't at all, you know, but – There is no debate about that the emphasis is definitely, or at least for the collection that was made, especially in 1 Corinthians and in the book of Acts, that collection was specific to a specific group of people uh for a specific need the Jerusalem church being that specific need um because of the famine that was happening during their time um you know so um but that doesn't mean that that's the only time yeah, 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 you know
2: that's um, my answer yeah exactly right <laughs> so, um but something so 2000 we, years later there's never another situation that, that yeah. could have been recorded
0: right but i think the principle definitely is we better be there for our own right we we better be there for uh taking care of one another as the kingdom but our 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 help doesn't it can out uh well what's the word i'm looking for our help can also um we can outreach also to people outside the church um
2: well and and individually we need to be willing to do that
0: right people shouldn't
2: default to the church to cover a situation that God has put on their in their lap. Right,
0: right. And, right. and
2: that's that's part of it, yeah. which is why I think there's some pushback
0: mm-hmm. because,
2: hey, I don't know this person. You know, this person, help them. Right. You know, because sometimes it's every time you have some situations like, OK, the church needs to help always. And there can be times for that. But but individually, we need to take the individual blessings that God has given to us right. and use them to help others on our own
0: right it's both yeah no absolutely I agree I agree Miguel you got anything else to add to
1: that no no just um you know sometimes you know I guess the best way you know just to kind of like find some balance I guess is you know just you know if if the church is able to obviously you know always want to look out for the brethren first and if there and if there's anything that they are able to do outside of that great but if if their stance is that they, they, they can't, or they're not willing to, or, or it's just something that, that doesn't want to be touched. Um, you know, what now can you as an individual, if you're able to do something about that, you know what I mean? And I, I think that's where some of the power comes in with, um, some of us are blessed, for example, you know, maybe with, with the jobs that we have, you know, sometimes we have a little bit more that, that we're able to be an extension of that. So, we're not using the church money, but I have, my money. And as, as you know, a a Christian, I want to help out how, what am I doing out, you know, from with outside the church, you know, still part of the church, but outside that I'm able to help those. So I don't feel that, that, that I'm having any type of friction um, in any capacity with the church, because sometimes the money, for example, if you collect a lot of it, but you're not doing anything with it, Mm-hmm. Um, you know that, that, that's another story too you know what, yeah. what how's that money being used is it used to evangelize and and the last thing I'll just say I'm a product you know if it weren't for for, for Brandon you know what I mean and, and inviting me you know I was going through a, a, a difficult situation in my life Brandon you know I've known him for a while but then you know he 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 mentioned hey you know what maybe it's time to give God a try and then I started going you know he accepted me in i would uh, you know i would eat with his family you know before bible studies um, he would you know i was just part of his family for a while and and you know so so sometimes we, we 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 gotta just be careful that 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 you know we just make it exclusive to a group yeah because you know then then we see passages like in matthew chapter 25 verse 35 and 36 where it's talking when i was hungry you know you gave me food when I was thirsty, you gave me drink, you know, who's that in reference to, you know, you know, it could just, it could be anyone. And and sometimes we, we got to really think about that. But, if, but if we have the attitude and, and, you know, as Christians, I think we can balance some of those things out.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. So uh, I think you guys gave a lot of good stuff. I hope that our listeners uh, can really, Uh, First of all, see the importance that as a Christian, this is a responsibility that we have and that we got to stop. Uh, you know, yes, there is government assistance out there, but that shouldn't be the primary source that we send people. We should be willing to do what we can as Christians trying to help one another and help our community as best as we can, um, because there's not, the government's not going to start teaching people how to obey the gospel. Right. So we're 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 yeah. And some of us are like, we hope they don't. Right. Because <laughs> Um, But anyways, but I mean, so we have to realize it's our responsibility. Um, God has called us to do this. And again, I'll I'll reemphasize that. um, Yes, if you're giving and you're terrible with your money, keep giving. Please do. However, if you really want to do the best that you can in the situation that you're in, I think it's important that you learn to manage your money Uh, Well, you don't have to go to McDonald's. Maybe somebody, uh, you know, really needs food from you. You know, if you keep buying those Happy Meals, you may not be able to provide and help people, you know, so managing your money, I think, is important in this discussion. Uh, But again, the most important thing is knowing that Jesus has done, God has done so much for us because we are an extension of him being his children, we should be willing to do good towards others. So thank you guys so much for being on the show with me. I appreciate it. Um, and I'm looking forward to maybe doing another uh, podcast with y'all. Thank y'all.
1: Hey, you're welcome.
0: Thanks. All right. Take care. Dude. Hey, thank you so much for watching our videos and podcasts. If you want more videos and more podcasts, you can like us on Facebook and Instagram and subscribe to us on YouTube. We'll see you next time.